Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Daf HaShavua as we study Mesechas Yavamas. What an incredible Mesechta. I know getting through the Shakir Vitaya is not easy, but uh, many of you are making it through. And as we're seeing, uh, we have these major, major sugyos that come up and that are great takeaways. We spend so much time on Geras, and I received many other questions as far as Geras. I appreciate them. I want to focus on Daf Chof Hei as the Gemara continues the discussion that started on Daf Chof Dalit. And that's the sugya, let's call it in English, of rumors. What happens when we behave in a certain way that would generate rumors on the street? We may think that on the surface, as we have this expression, who cares what others say? People should be down Kafskus. We shouldn't be chayshid b'ksherim. And the reality is, I'm going to live the way I want to live. But we see that there is this principle that you can't marry someone who there was suspicion that you were with before marriage. And the different cases that were mentioned in the Mishnah. Even to the point that it would take away from your own personal happiness. So because of the concern that there would be a rumor about you, that you were with this non-Jewish woman before she converted, or in the other situations, you sh- and it wasn't true, you shouldn't marry them? I mean, that seems very, very challenging. Yet that's the conclusion. Now, in each particular case, you have to see if the conclusion is that you're not allowed to marry them, meaning that if you do marry them, the Kiddushan is not Chal, or that you shouldn't marry them, but the Kiddushan is still Chal. You still wouldn't be allowed to, but the Kiddushan would be Chal. And the general approach is in these situations, it's still considered to be a marriage, but there was a violation. And we take that seriously. I came across a fascinating tshuva in the Divrei Malkiel. I want to just use this to introduce the sugya. And the Divrei Malkiel, who we don't quote enough, was very, very important posseg before the war in the, the city of Lamza. Many great gedolim came from there. Reb Malkiel Tzvi ben Reb Yoyna Halevi Tannenbaum. It's a, Pol- a Polish Rav, eventually becomes the Rav of Lamza. And in Chelek Dalit Simon Samuch Aleph, he raises a question. He said that if you look throughout Shas, and he lists many examples of it, we see variations of this concern, that our behavior would generate a call, would generate rumors, and therefore that type of behavior is not allowed. It's prohibited. And he gives different examples. He says sometimes it's called v'yisem nekiyim, that you should be clean, which is a pasuk, of course, in the Torah. Other times, there are different psukim that he used. He brings the very famous Gemara in Brachas, Lamed Aleph, Lamed Aleph, from Chana, that Chana, there was a suspicion that Eli had that she was drunk, and therefore Chana had to respond to it. And there, a different pasuk is used. I'm not going to go through every single case, but there are many different Gemaras. We have, of course, the sugya of Marisayan. So he wants to know, Tzarech Be'er, Lama Nakta B'chal Makam Lashon Acher, U'pasug Acher. 
in all the situations that I mentioned, and I didn't mention an exclusive list, it has a different name. Sometimes it's called V'yisem Nekiyim. Sometimes it's called Cheshad. Sometimes it's called Marzayin. And then we have our Sugya with a different application. Why so many different applications and different psukim that are used? We're going to deal with this somewhat today as far as how we could apply it. And he has a very fascinating uh, note before his maskana, before his conclusion. He says, If we're going to take this very seriously and we do a thorough analysis of everything that's in Shas, and I'm underlining uposkim and halacha lamaisa, this would require drush arichas gadova enli panaikais. I don't have the time for that. At least now, I mean, he was a rub of a city. He had to answer Shiloh Satruvos and deal with the day to day and his own learning responsibilities. So, Lazet Ershon Biksara, I'm going to list it in short form. I'm going to go through some of this today, but I just want to show you how massive a sugi this is and the weight that we put on our own reputations. That's really the takeaway today. Now, I was thinking as well, I quoted once a Rashbam on Chumash. It's actually from this coming week's Parsha. I'm recording this before Parsha's Vayera. That the Rebona Shalom definitely cares about our reputation. And we should think about other people's reputations. But we're focusing today on caring about our own reputation. The Rashbam is in the context of why Avram Avinu did not give a place for the Malachim to sleep. We see that his nephew Lot gave him a place to sleep. And the Rashbam goes out of his way to show how Hashem was trying to protect the reputation of Avram. So you shouldn't have that takeaway. And the reason why Avram didn't provide for them a sleeping place was because Kechom Hayom. It was right in the middle of the day. And while he would have loved to have their them being guests to him, and he loved chesed, but he wanted them to go on their way. In the middle of the day, they still had to go make a living. They still had to earn money to feed their families, etc. It wasn't time to tell them to uh, stay here the rest of the day. So Kachom Hayom is there in order that we should not be chas v'shalom, not benef- giving the benefit of the doubt to Avram Avinu. But it's a little bit different in our sugya because our sugya is focused on our own reputations. And we can't just say that our reputations don't matter. So I want to give you some applications. We'll take a little bit of the Divrei Malkiel and then we'll broaden it to see how it applies in the poskim and in other areas of law. In this tshuva of the Divrei Malkiel, which I'm using again to try to set up the sugya, he says that one of the reasons where Marasayan or Cheshad or our specific application that we're going to get to in a minute of Haser Mimcha, it's actually a form of Lifne Iver Lositein Mikshal. By you behaving in a certain way that would generate rumors, then you're going to cause others to speak bad about you. It's very fascinating. He says at the end of his long tshuva, Kol Yisrael Revim Zelazah. So by you 
causing someone to speak about you, and let's say you say you don't care, but you're a reflection of every Jew. So it's as if that person is speaking about other Jews as well. Very creative. But I wanted to jump into how he understands our Pasuk, and this works out very clearly in our Gemara. And then I'm going to present to you a few very famous shuvos or somewhat famous shuvos on this topic as it applies today. So again, the Pasuk says in Perik Daud, Chaf Daud, and Mishle, that's the Pasuk that's used in our Gemara to use, for example, uh, persons living with a non-Jew. And then this non-Jew converts. And when we say living, that's the suspicion that they're living together. It may, in fact, not be the case. But then the rumor is out there. The couple ends up getting uh, married after a gayrus. This would end up being a problem. Now, the first thing I want to point out, there's not going to be a chiv, as the Gemara spells out, in this case, for them to actually divorce. The kiddushin and the nesuin would be chal. In a regular situation where it's clear that there was a form of adultery, then the halacha is the person who is involved in the adultery could not live with the woman, they can't marry, and there is also a prohibition for that woman to be together with the husband. Now, in order to establish this fact, or as a fact, there's a very high standard that applies. But the way he explains it here is very beautiful. And I think it really explains our sugya that the specific prohibition that we have here taking place is that there's already an existing suspicion. You see, in a regular Marasayan case, or in some of the cases that we're going to discuss, you walk into a place that has non-kosher food. There was no existing suspicion in advance. In this situation, there is an existing suspicion, which can't be confirmed, but then by you marrying that person, it retroactively confirms what people were suspecting, even though in reality it wasn't true. And he explains how it actually ties into the Pasuk. If you translate this Pasuk of which is the Pasuk that the Gemara quotes, put away from you an Ikshus Peh, which is like a stubborn mouth, and perverse lips put far away from you, you get both of these elements, the suspicion and how the suspicion is confirmed. And again, we may say, who cares? But what he adds to this is by not marrying this person, then what you're actually doing is you're showing people that the original chashad was wrong. So by not marrying this non-Jew who now is a Jew, then you're showing that there never was a basis for the initial suspicion. Why we care so much what other people think? So this is the halacha. That was one of the one of the psukim that's used in this context or our pasuk itself. In this tshuva, he does a very fascinating Morris Ayan analysis and some of the other applications which we won't deal with. I'll just point out one thing that I mentioned in the beginning is the famous story of Chana that Chana went out of her way to tell Ailey that he suspected her falsely, and then at the end, everyone walked away very happy. So he suggests that if you have the ability to convince someone 
that the suspicion is false, then you should do so. But he acknowledges that once it's been publicized, let's say our application today, it's on uh, social media, he said it's EF Shire, that you're going to go around and be able to convince everyone. Before I get to the two chuvos on Marisayan, and hopefully I'll get to them, if not, we'll try to get to at least one of them. This sugya relates to a very famous story. I've heard the story many times. I was finally able to find a source for the story in the Ali Tamar. The Ali Tamar is a very important work on Yerushalmi, a recent work, contemporary work, passed away in the, uh, I think in the late 90s, Rabbi Sacha ben Svi Tamar. There's a library at Yeshiva Haaretzion that includes his collection. There's a collection of his farm in the back of the library at Gush. It's incredible. And he was a person who came to Israel in the 30s. He loved Eretz Yisrael. And I've discussed him in some other shiurim. So the Ali Tamar brings a story down about the Chavetz Chaim. And it's, the issue here is whether a person is allowed to speak Lashon Hara about themselves. Now, we have a principle when it comes to din of in adamesimazma Russia. You can't make yourself into a Russia to have yourself punished or killed. But here we're discussing Lashon Hara. And there doesn't seem to be an explicit source in the Bavli or in the Yushalmi. But he writes, Ulam Shamati Many people listening to this may have heard the story. There was someone who was on a, a train with the Chavetz Chaim. And he's traveling to Radin to see the Chavetz Chaim. He doesn't tell this to the Chavetz Chaim. When he bumps into the man who is the Chavetz Chaim on the train. And the person asks this man, do you know the Chavetz Chaim? He has such an incredible reputation. I'm, I'm going to the city where he's from, the town where he's from, of Radin. You going to the same place? He says yes. But what the Chavetz Chaim says is he's not as great as he's made out to be. And the man slaps the Chavetz Chaim, thinking that he's speaking Lashon Hara about the Chavetz Chaim. Kevan shehegiu l'radin v'nichnas l'chavetz Chaim, he sees that he was the Chavetz Chaim, who he hid or he cursed, a few different versions of the story, and he seeks mechila from the Chavetz Chaim. The Chavetz Chaim says to him, you have nothing to apologize for. In fact, you reminded me that I forgot to include in my Sefer, Chavetz Chaim, that there's not only a prohibition to speak Lashon Hara about others, but about yourself as well. And then there's a whole discussion in many Achronim. Uh, did the Chavetz Chaim add it as in a footnote, the Ber Mayim Chaim? Or is this whole story not a real story? Now, this story is brought down by the family of the Chavetz Chaim, so I assume it's accurate. In fact, Rav Shechter, in Nefesh Harav, Kufnun, page 150, quotes the Rav. And the, when the Rav heard about the story, he said he's not surprised that a person shouldn't be allowed to speak Lashon Har about himself and that the Chavetz Chaim held of that position because he ties it back to our sugya, because the whole concept of Marisayan, which highlights that a person is not totally on control of himself, doesn't have jurisdiction 
over his own reputation. And there are other sources as well that go along this line. So that all connects together, whatever the specific application is. Now, I just want to give to you a tshuva of Rav Shlomo's And this is a question that comes up almost every year. We have shoes that look like leather, but they're not leather. Is there a problem? Now, again, this is not exactly our case in the Gemara because there's not a pre-existing chashad, but this would be a classic Marasayan case. And you know that the general principle, we're not going through the whole sugi of Marasayan, is even if no one sees you, it's a problem. Assuming it's a problem to go into McDonald's, then it doesn't matter if you look around and no one's there. Even b'chadre chadarim, once it's established as a prohibition, then it's not allowed whether people see you or not. But Rav Shlomo Zalman says, if you wear shoes that appear to be leather, even though they're plastic, you run into this problem. This is the truth of, of Rav Shlomo Zalman. Rav Shlomo Zalman says, you may ask me about a shaitel, a woman has to cover her hair, and people are going to think that women are not covering the hair. He says most people know that it's a shaitel. He happens to put in a comment, he's not always able to tell the difference, so he can't tell the difference, but it's not defined by Shlomo Zalman. It's defined by a majority. The qualifier that he has in his tshuva is if you're talking about a chola who needs to wear those types of sneakers. Imagine what the situation is or something that looks like leather. If it was leather, you would tell the cholas to stay home, most likely, at least on Yom HaKippurim, and not wear it. But for a person who is a chola, there's no issue. How this relates to the general prohibition of Marasayan is you see that there's certain qualifiers that are built into it. And along these lines, just as far as the qualifier, Ramosha has a number of chuvas on this topic. In Chelek Aleph Tzimin Sadivav, he says that you don't apply Marasayan in a situation where something is permitted and people mistakenly think that it's forbidden. So we're not assuming that the people aren't aware of it. They should know the halacha. The case that he's dealing with is if someone gets into a car after the 18 minutes begin, whether it's a man or a woman, people should understand that Shabbos doesn't start until Shkia. He says, again, it's better not to do it, but in this situation, it's better not to do it if it's going to cause other people to be Mechal Shabbos itself. But for people not to realize that Shkia is the beginning of Shabbos and not when someone lights the candles, or that when someone lights the candles, they put, could put a qualifier, and that's not going to be Marasayan. So these halachas, of course, show us the need to be sensitive to how we are perceived. It's a reflection not just of us, but of the entire Kla Yisrael, but also... Hopefully, when we see people doing things that we imagine are wrong, we still could give them the benefit of the doubt.